Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. sociopath <laughs> gets thrown around a lot by the media but it really applies to my next guest all right how's it going Pretty good. How are you? Good. Inter international playboy. Yeah. Uh, boy, are my wings tired. Yeah, I bet. Um, well, anyways, we're back. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster podcast with hosts Amy. And Kevin, the international playboy. <laughs> international metal playboy. Uh, you were just in what, like Austria, London, France, see my underpants? <laughs> um, London. Wait, not France, right? Not Italy. France. Yeah. London, Italy, and Austria. Well then. It was good. That's great. Okay, so um, <laughs> I was in Oxnard, California. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, we missed you, uh, me and the dogs. I missed being warm. Yeah, it was like 70 today. It's like in the middle of December. Well, actually, it's not quite the middle of December because what's tomorrow, which is when this podcast will come out? Dun, dun, dun. I believe it's going to be the Friday the 13th. That is correct. Um, so you have some things to tell us about. Friday the 13th, that will kind of help us understand some things in a little bit. But um, I just wanted to do some of my little True Crime Corner announcements. Um, while you were gone, I watched a lot of things and listened to a lot of things. Um, and, and just in general, I've been listening to a lot of things. I don't have as many friends here as I did in Portland. So. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so all my friends are podcasts. Um, I've, I've, I've been into podcasts for a few years now, but um, one thing that I am kind of in the middle of and I kind of had to stop for a little bit, it's it's hard for me to watch things now because I can't multitask when I do that. Like anybody who tries to watch things when they're driving is just asking to die. Uh, please don't do that. I hope that's not what you were doing. No, I'm just saying, <laughs> no, I'm saying because I can't watch and drive. That's why I just don't watch things. I only listen to things. So... Anyways, I've been listening to the con or li watching the Confession Killer on Netflix and driving <laughs> and grooming the dogs at the same time. Um, and grooming me. <laughs> uh, it's 
pretty frustrating and pretty well done. Um, I guess I just didn't know is that much stuff about Henry Lee Lucas. Um, he basically potentially only killed his mom, but yet he like purported himself to be the largest, you know, the with serial killer of all time. And his little sheriff buddy was kind of, you know, um, showboating him around like a, fucking monkey on a leash. I don't know. It's just, it's very weird. Um, one of my favorite parts of the documentary so far is when this Japanese team of um, journalists comes and they interview Henry Lee Lucas and they, uh, he was like, oh, I, I've murdered people in your country too. And they're like, uh, really? Like, when did you do that? And he was like, oh, you know, like, I, you know, give me a crime. I'll say, I'll say I did it. And they're like, well, how did you get there? And he's all by car. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny and they just kind of look at him they're like oh so this you know it's just kind of funny um that guy is an idiot and um it's pretty awesome we see these uh little cat like little cameos from his little boyfriend which doesn't even so sound right to call this guy a boy uh but oddest tool i mean an ogre would be a little more accurate oddest tool is one of the ugliest dudes ever known to man and his kind of unfortunate claim to fame is that he most likely killed um, Adam Walsh which is John Walsh's son and was a big reason why America's Most Wanted was that? That was the show right? America's yeah. Most Wanted was even a thing anyways um, some other things I just wanted to throw out there in case people a lot of people ask me for like recommendations for podcasts and stuff and um, being someone who listens to a whole lot of true crime podcasts, I have some. Um, and I listen to things that I wouldn't normally listen to that's still technically crimey, but um, not quite like murdery. Because sometimes I don't like murder. And I think we're going to definitely do some cases that don't necessarily have murder in them, but are still considered crimes. Um, so the first one um, is Silent Waves. Um, which is an Australian podcast um, that deals with a lot of familial sexual abuse. Um, and it's in first person format too. It's almost like a, uh, like a, like a vlog or whatever audio blog or something. Um, she's pretty young. So not that much time has passed since it happened to her. She's probably in her mid twenties. Um, but it, it was so compelling that the, the dudes over at case file actually re-released it. Cause once, um, the main, I think, I don't know if it was the main dude or it was just the production company or what, but once they heard it, they were like, wow, we really got to get this to a larger platform and to a larger audience. So it's really compelling. Um, it's also fairly triggering. So just want to put that out there. Um, I'm also listening to a really popular podcast called Morbid um, with these two women. Um, I think they're outside of Rhode Island. I've only listened to an, a couple of episodes. They're a little awkward. They kind of like talk like teenage boys. I think they're funny. Yeah, no, they are. They are, but they're kind of like, oh, bro, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like uh, every uh, once in a while, they <laughs> kind of get like that, but they're like moms. I can relate. Yeah. I can relate to that. But they're like moms. One's an autopsy examiner. Well. And then um, the other is uh, a hairstylist. And I believe they are like aunt and niece. And there's like a 10-year gap between them. But yeah, they are pretty funny, um, and they're really knowledgeable. Obviously, the autopsy examiner has um, some really good insight on things. So she, um, they did a really good episode 
Um, episodes 71 and 73 have so far been my favorite, which discusses the mysterious death of um, Phoebe Hanschuk in um, Australia. And I'm kind of obsessed with that one right now. I went into another podcast that they reference called Phoebe's Fall. And it's just about her. Um, it's just about that crime specifically. It's really, really well done. Uh, and very frustrating. If you don't like listening to frustrating potential cold cases, don't listen to that one. But we will eventually cover that case because it's super interesting. Um, I'll, I've also listened to Murder in Oregon, which is still going on right now. Um, it's the story of Michael Frankie, and he was the prison director of both New Mexico and Oregon at um, and Oregon at the time of his death. And he basically was going to uncover a lot of corruption in the prison system in Salem, Oregon. And uh, it's it's crazy. Um, man, the the access she has to the reporters and the lawyers and um, the perpetrators and the victims. And it's pretty amazing. It's really, really well done. A new episode just came out a couple days ago, so it's still ongoing. Um, and then another one I listened to, which um, our buddy Lindsay says she just can't stand Keith Morrison's voice. Was that his name? Keith Morrison? I, that's not. Who's the guy from... Something Morrison, not. Are you talking about the Doors? Is that his Jim name? Morrison? Jim Morrison, not Jim Morrison, not to be confused with Jim Morrison. Uh, Keith Morrison, he does Dateline, and he has this really funny animated grandpa voice. He uh, plays in a Doors cover band. <laughs> um, I love his voice. I think it's great. A lot of people do. A lot of people aspire to kind of have that cadence and rhythm. Um, but the podcast he does, uh, it's called The Thing About Pam, and it's put out by NBC Dateline, and it's really interesting. It's a really quick listen. You could listen to it in like a uh, in a in a weekend day. Um, and then, like I mentioned in the last podcast, um, Cold is coming out with a bunch of episodes. They came out with another one right now. Most of them are worth a listen, but you have to really be like fairly into it to listen to the live episode as well as the interview that he does with Susan Powell's parents. So, um, like, you really have to listen to the whole thing first in order to even appreciate the updates. Um, I also listened to Red Ball, which is um, Ashley Flowers from Tr Crime Junkie. Um, and it's her going um, in depth with um, Sergeant Bill Dalton of the Indiana State Police uh, with the Burger Chef murders, which, again, I'd like to cover. It's really weird. It's a weird unsolved. Um, really, really brutal. Um, I also listened to The Mysterious Mr. Epstein, which is infuriating, and Bad Batch, which is also infuriating. Um, I, I think The Mysterious Mr. Epstein is fairly self-explanatory. Um, he's just a monster and I, with a billion dollars. He didn't kill himself. Yeah, that's probably what happened. <laughs> he, do you think he's still alive, though? I don't know. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I don't know if he had a billion dollars, but he had definitely lots of millions of dollars. Um, you could probably do a lot with lots of millions or billions of dollars. You know, that can buy you some stuff. Some I, I reckon it could. Yeah. <laughs> like an island. Yeah. Where you can do whatever you want. Um, yeah. And then Bad Batch is all about the stem cell industry. Um, I don't believe there's any deaths in it, but it's very strange. Like she does a really, um, it's a, both of those are, um, wondery podcasts. It's just, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a, it's a head scratcher. So, um, 
if you're interested in kind of like the medical industry and just kind of like, you know, stuff that's not FDA approved yet and all the weird kind of loopholes and all that stuff, it's, it's pretty interesting. So anyways, that's just a little sampling of what I've been listening to lately, <laughs> which is a lot. That's what's in her head. Yeah, that's constantly literally. But um, what about you? Are you going to tell us some things or tell us about your life? <laughs> well, how about a little history lesson? Oh, okay, history. That's right. History Corner with Kevin. Did you do your book report? I've got for a... your wife, English teacher? Yeah. Okay, let's go for, for it. my wife here and my little dog. Oh, he's right there. <laughs> uh, for centuries, Friday the 13th has been an unlucky date for many. Is it... And just like an unlucky number, right? Well, yeah. 13? Some some believe so. Is it superstition or is there something more behind it? I'm going to go with there's something more behind it because there's like three more pages you have left to read. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like walking under a ladder, breaking a mirror, or having a black cat cross your path. The date has been an ominous omen of impending bad luck or worse. Historically, the number 12 in Western cultures has meant totality or completeness. Like, there's 12 months in a year, 12 signs of the Zodiac, 12 days of Christmas, and all that. 12, do you say 12 months in a year? Yes. What about 12 donuts in a box? (laughs) It's proven it yet again. Um... But the number 13 has always had more of a negative connotation to it. 13 apostles. Apostles. I corrected you that not so subtly. We talked about this before. We talked to each other. The program. Yeah. You said apostles and I was like, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, I had to say it. I subtly let you know that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not so subtly. But, right uh, before we had some salmon. <laughs> from Saffron Sal. Um, so 13 apostles uh, at the Last Supper, one of whom was Judas Iscariot. What? This, oh, the, that supper. <laughs> the last one. Was that, Get with the was program. That, was that earlier today? No, this was like 2,000 years oh, ago. Okay. Um, B-C-E-A? <laughs> yeah. You're on fire. All right, go for it. Um, Judas Iscariot. Don't know if you guys know who that guy is, but... He's a traitor. He's the one that betrayed Jesus, Mm -hmm. some say, causing his crucifixion. Arguably, if Judas had not done this, sold Jesus out, and Jesus died of old age, (laughs) would everyone still be saved? Oh, come on. (laughs) That's not a question. Just keep going. So the name Judas also has a stink to it uh, because of this. Um, It's synonymous with deceiver or betrayer. At a ranch or slaughterhouse, the lead animal that gets the herd to follow it to the kill floor is called the Judas goat. Whoa, really? Yep. As it betrays its peers and leads them to their destruction. I'm going to go ahead and say, in that case, that's just a stupid animal. That's not a traitor. Who's stupid? The one following or the one leading him? The one leading. How is he stupid? He's staying alive. Oh. 
What? That's, that's his job is to lead the other ones in. Oh, there. So what a dick! Yes. Okay. Welcome. Well, once again, goat. welcome to the program. Uh, for the superstitious, having 13 people at a dinner party was oh. a bad omen. Sorry, yeah. She that also was... walks under ladders all the time. Yeah. And, but she's got great luck. <laughs> you should see her car. There's no coffee in it. Yeah, I don't pour coffee over myself <laughs> every day. Um, there's also rumors uh, of the 13th floor being absent in buildings, hotels, oh, yeah. and elevators. That's, that's, that's the thing. But I've never seen it. Have you? I have. You have? Yes. Have you ever looked? Yes. It goes like 12, it goes like 12, 12 14, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't noticed. It's like something like 40% of the time. That's crazy. Yeah. That's You're just not very observant, crazy. sir. <laughs> well. You're just too busy, like, I'm following the Judas goat to the slaughter. <laughs> busy looking at your butt. Oh, ew. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> also, uh, Friday has a black mark. Uh, especially for Christian cultures due to Christ being crucified on Good Friday. Supposedly, Eve gave Adam an apple from the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden on a Friday. Cain also slew his brother Abel on a Friday, if you're into that Bible stuff. And also, a lot of people go buy things on something that is called a Black Friday. TGIF. <laughs> yes, Family Matters used to be on on a Friday. And Jaleel White, who played Steve Urkel... Apparently was a violent man. So there you go. <laughs> and yep, one Carl of our Winslow best friends is named Friday. Is named and Friday. He's evil. He's a big, hairy, shining light. Oh, okay. Yes, his, yes. He's not like Jaleel White. Is Black Friday. Yes. Which is the opposite of Jaleel White. <laughs> it's his nemesis. Um, there are probably many different reasons people have a thing about Friday the 13th, but. I think this day in history is most likely the culprit. Okay. Friday the 13th of October, 1307. King Philip IV of France orders the arrest of the Knights Templar. Founded around 1118 as a monastic military order devoted to protecting pilgrims traveling to Jerusalem after Christians took control of the Holy Land during the First Crusade. They were very formidable, and many kingdoms wanted their protection. The Knights Templar quickly became one of the richest and most influential groups of the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. King Philip IV of France, also known as Philip the Fair, ruled... I love fairs. You really do. <laughs> they have goats. And giant turkey legs. Mm. Like the Last Supper. <laughs> I wonder if they had turkey legs at the Last Supper. Pretty sure. Pretty sure they did. Maybe it was camel toe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thor didn't like <laughs> King Philip the Fair ruled France from 1285 to 1314. He spent most of his rule in warfare or some sort of conflict, and war costs a lot of money. Sure does. Um... He also inherited a good amount of debt from wars. His father, Philip III, the Bold, in quotes. Do they all have nicknames? Like Hell yeah. 
Who was the first one that you mentioned? King Philip the Fourth of France. He doesn't have a fun one. The fair. Oh no, he was the fair. You like the fair. What about the other one? Is there the one bold? Okay, okay, the bold, the fair, the, the lifestyles of brave. the brave, the yeah. the bold and the fair. Speaking of lifestyles, yeah. Along with Philip's lavish lifestyle, needless to say, he was in a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. Obtaining any kind of coin was a very high priority, and like all governing people, he went about it in very shady ways. He enforced the idea that all must fight to defend France, but for the right price, you could buy your way out of fighting. Hmm. In 1306, he expelled all Jews from France and seized their assets. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know that one. Uh, and he was able uh, to get someone loyal to him in the papacy. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say that? Yep. Good job. Pope Clement V. Hmm. Uh, Philip convinced the Pope to allow the king to go after the Templars. Eventually, many were rounded up and tortured. Uh, confessions were made under duress. The strappato was a favorite form of torturing. Uh, it consists of a long pole where your arms are tied behind your back and you're lifted off the ground, causing your shoulders to dislocate. Ouch. Yeah, it's super harsh. Uh, they would also dip the feet of the, of the knights in oil and set them on fire. Hmm. And obviously... You'd probably start confessing pretty quick to anything mm -hmm. when your feet are on fire. Um, so stories of salacious deeds and black magic were told, uh, basically saying whatever they could do to make the torture stop and get a quick death. Um, death would come to hundreds of the Knights Templar, but it would not be swift. It wouldn't not be? It wouldn't not not be. <laughs> okay. Got it. Super clear. Thanks. It's a long, painful death as many were burned at the stake, making this Friday the 13th a very dark day in history indeed. Ah, that's where this was going. Some twists and turns. I think Thor followed it. <laughs> um, some other dark days in history. Friday the 13th, September 1940. Yeah. The Germans bombed Buckingham Palace during World War II. Amy remembers. I'm younger than you. <laughs> Friday the 13th, November 1970. More than 300,000 people are killed during a cyclone in Bangladesh. Friday the 13th, October 1972. The Uruguayan... Old Christian Club rugby team. Is that how you would say that? What do you mean? Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Well, I'm going to butcher all kinds of words in mine. Don't make me say it again because I think I nailed it. Yep. But they are traveling by plane for a match in Chile. Uh, because of navigational errors, the prop plane crashed on a high mountain peak in the Andes. 45 people survived the crash, but without cold weather gear or much food, they slowly were to succumb to cannibalism. 
Two members of the group were able to go and get help. 16 people survived the ordeal. Do you know how many days it took them, though? The two guys? Um, you know how many days after the crash it was? No, but it was kind of... 72 like, days. Yeah, it was crazy. That's... They called off the search 10 days after the crash because they just figured everyone was dead. So when these two dudes are just like, you know, 60-ish days after the search is called off, people were like, whoa. And then that's when they led them back to the other remaining 16. That's some Donner Party shit right there. That's a lot of ass. Yeah. Uh, It inspired that movie Alive. Not Airplane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not airplane okay that's what, you're like what was that movie i'm like wasn't it called airplane and i was like i know it's like one word with an a apparently it's alive close yeah, yeah. you should watch that airplane or alive both double feature <laughs> At the same time yep uh friday the 13th january 2012 a cruise ship named the costa concordia crashed in relatively calm costa Costa Concordia. It's not Costa. No, there's not an A before the S. Just Costa. Oh. Like, or Coast, Costa Rica. Coast, I, whatever. I guess it's because it's Costa Rico. Rica. Okay, you're fine. Sorry. Now I'm being, you're, now I feel like you're expecting me to correct you all the time. Well, you will. Okay. But anyways, the Costa Concordia. Or Costa. I don't know. Keep going. Crashed in relatively calm waters off the coast of Italy, killing 30. Two. 32. 32. And uh, the captain was convicted of manslaughter in 2015 for that. Thanks for the update. Yep. Uh, but maybe the most famous Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, yeah, you took all mine. I was all ready to go. I didn't know. All, I didn't know you were going to do this. Oh, I am coming out swinging. Yep. Uh, maybe the most famous Friday the Thirteenth. If you believe it's true. Of all, September nineteen ninety six, Tupac Shakur dies from wounds he received six days earlier in a drive by shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada. Following a Mike Tyson fight. I'm going to pour some buble out for our lost homie. Is that? I'll just take that back and say our lost dude. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. Nope, not going to do that. Uh, Shakur attended the boxing match with Death Row Records owner Suge Knight. After leaving the match, one of Suge Knight's associates spotted a gang member that tried to rob him a few months before. A fight ensued when Tupac asked about his gang affiliations. Uh, security broke up the fight. Uh, then after that, they go to a club that uh, Suge Knight owns, Club 662. Uh, they change and leave the club. Uh, at 11.10 p.m., while stopped at a red light, a car with two women pull up to their left side. Shakur, talking through the window to the women, telling them to go to Club 662, doesn't notice a white four-door Cadillac pull up on the right side. Orlando Anderson, the guy from the fight, seated in the back, rolled down the window and opened fire on Shakur. Tupac was hit four times. 
One of the bullets pierced his lung, which ultimately was the cause of his death. Mm. If you believe. He's dead, which most people do. But he still makes a ton of money. Um, there's a couple more that I just wanted to mention. Um, uh, Kitty Genovese, who has kind of popularized the term the bystander effect. Um, she was uh, murdered on the night of a Friday the 13th, um, which was March 13th, 1964. She was raped and killed by uh, the person that there actually was a person convicted of the crime, but a lot of people don't believe that he actually did it. And his name is Winston Mosley, Winston Mosley, and we'll definitely cover him because I believe he is potentially responsible for other crimes. Um, the other um, significant thing I just wanted to mention real quick was that the Ku Klux Klan's first Grand Wizard was born on July 13th, 1821. Oh, happy birthday, buddy. Uh, Nathan, Nathan Bedford Forrest. Um, he's a dick. Or was. And he should have never been born. That's it. Those are the other two I just wanted to mention real quick. Well. Well. Oh, and apparently in 2029, we're going to be destroyed by an asteroid coming to Earth. On a Friday 13th. So. So goodbye, everyone. We'll have our farewell show then. Hoarding goods now. We'll be selling supplements here soon via our Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, all right, so you have some other things that you're gonna... Oh, wait, you have your crime that you're gonna talk about, right? Well, yeah, I have one. Don't you have one, too? Who goes first? Oh, I don't know. I think Thor won. Well, yours would make more sense to go first. All right. June 13th, 1979. Steve Christie is almost ready to reopen his lakeside campground and lodge in the woods of Forest Green County, New Jersey. He hires some young adults as counselors to be in charge of a class of children that's coming from summer camp. The group of teen counselors slowly arrive to the camp and make preparations for the opening, but not before being warned from an old local to stay away. The next day, a hiker in the area notices someone following her in the woods. She panics and tries to flee, but her stalker slashes her throat with a large hunting knife. Two of the new counselors sneak off to a barn for young teenage sex. (laughs) An intruder kills the mood, then kills both of them, stabbing both till death. A camp counselor looks through the cabins at the camp, thinking she's heard someone. As she enters a bedroom, only to find nothing there, she turns around and gets stabbed in the stomach. She dies. While another young couple take a break from having teenage sex. <laughs> There's a whole lot of teenage sex. The girl goes to use the bathroom. The guy laying face up is suddenly choked from someone under the bed, then is stabbed straight through the back with a machete. As the girl returns to the bedroom, she's struck in the face with an axe so hard it sticks in the front of her skull. She dies. That evening, as a man is trying to get to the camp, a violent thunderstorm starts. He has a hard time staying on the trail. He comes upon someone and asks if they need help. He gets stabbed in the stomach and dies. 
As the last camp counselor searches for her co-workers and friends, she's startled by an older woman she's never seen before. She is a crazed look in her eye as she begins to tell the frightened counselor about the history of the camp, about how two camp counselors were violently killed and how a young boy had drowned in the lake the year before. You don't say. She explained she'd been the cook at the camp preparing meals for staff and children attending and that she was there the day the boy drowned. The boy's name was Jason. She went on Robert? to s- <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> we got to edit that. <laughs> Whatever. She went on to say how the camp counselor neglected to watch Jason. They were too busy sneaking away to have young teenage sex to notice Jason drowning in Crystal Lake. Like four times. She told of how Jason was her son and how today was his birthday and how she wouldn't let them open the camp again, not after what had happened there. By this point, the young counselor is freaked and insists on leaving as the old woman reflects on Jason drowning. The woman starts accusing the counselor, saying she let Jason drown. A fight breaks out and eventually the lucky counselor gets the upper hand and decapitates Jason's mother. Pamela Voorhees with a machete strike. And that is Friday the 13th, part one. The movie. <laughs> Happy Friday the 13th. Um, so, we thought that would be fun, right? Um, I had fun. Because there's, there's a lot of crime in that. What I want to know is... <laughs> there's, a, there's a few. <laughs> there's some teenage sex and people dying. Um, what I want to know is... How did Jason... So Jason comes back from the dead to kill? In the next movie, yes. Is he like a zombie or is like the grief of his mother enough to like bring him back to life or something? I'm not exactly sure what he is, but there is a supernatural element to it. Does he love hockey? (laughs) Is he Canadian? You know, he's pretty big and tall. He could be Canadian. Why does he wear a hockey mask? I actually forget. Is it just because he's so deformed? Well. Or what? Do you know? Well, in the second one, he had a bag over his head. Oh. So I guess he's just moving on up. So it looked like he was like in Ghoul? He was the first Ghoul. He was the first Ghoul member. All right. Um, Well, you know, I don't know how much weight there is to this, um, which, I mean... There's a lot of movies that have been inspired by real um, things that have happened in, you know, true crime or just in general. When I was looking up true events that probably inspired Friday the 13th, the thing that kept coming up, but I couldn't get any kind of official um, thing, but there was definitely a lot of things around it, is um, something called the Lake Bodum or Bottom Murders. Um, I believe it sounds more like Bottom I think most people say Bodum that are, are not from Finland, but I, I get, you know, I didn't, it's, it's hard to find stuff in Finnish. But who's from Finland? Um, we have like one friend, right? I've heard of people living there, but I've never been there. So I don't believe maybe it doesn't maybe exist. Maybe it doesn't exist. <laughs> there was that Finnish troll movie that came out. Maybe they know. <laughs> Let's call them. We'll just call up Baharit. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, um, I got a lot of my information from Atlas Obscura, Mental Floss, all that's interesting. 
Wikipedia, Reddit, um, and then I listened to a couple of uh, podcasts. Um, one was the Morbid podcast, um, and then the other one was Thinking Sideways. Um, they both covered um, the Lake Bottom murders. It is um, Finland's most infamous cold case, um, and it is unsolved, which is what cold case means. <laughs> on June 4th, 1960. <laughs> so this didn't happen on Friday the 13th, but you, you're going to start to, within the first you know little bit, you're going to figure out why it potentially ex- inspired Friday the 13th. Lots of teenage sex? Yeah. Sick. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, we'll talk. Uh, June 4th, 1960, four teenagers. Okay, let me butcher these names real quick. All right. <clears throat> my, 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 okay. Myla <laughs> Ermeli Bjorklund and Anya, I don't know if the J is silent. Yeah, it probably is because it's Bjorklund. And then it's Anya Tuliki Maki. It sounds like cool. Maliki. I think I've had that drink at a tiki bar. Well, it sounds like Hawaiian for Merry Christmas, because isn't it like Maliki Maki something? Um, both 15 years old, and their 18-year-old boyfriends, um, Seppo Ontero Boisman and Nils Wilhelm Gustafsson. Um, they ride on motorcycles to the shores of Bodominjarvi, known as Lake Bodom. That's a lot easier to say, or Bodom. A lake in Finland located in the suburbs of the city of Espoo, <laughs> or Espoo, uh, not far from Helsinki. Uh, they were there for a fun and sexy time, um, but between the hours of 4 and 6 a.m. on Sunday, June 5th, 1960, um, Maki, Bjorklund, and Boisman were all stabbed and bludgeoned to death by an unknown assailant. They were stabbed and bludgeoned through their tent. An attempted attack on Gustafsson left him with a concussion, a fractured jaw, and several broken facial bones. Some boys um, were bird, bird watching at 6 a.m., you know, as you do, um, and noticed a collapsed slashed bloody tent on the lakeshore, but didn't think much of it. And it makes me believe that maybe they were really far away, and it really wasn't until, like, hindsight that they realized, like, ah, shit, they may have been, like... A trampled, bloody tent when we maybe thought it was just wet or something. That's a weird bird nest. <laughs> I've never seen that kind of bird. Oh, yeah, I guess if they were bird watching or something, they probably had binoculars, right? Anyways, did they have binoculars in 1960? I'm pretty sure they did. Um, <laughs> or maybe they had like a telescope or something. Um, just magic balls. They also reported seeing a blonde man walking away from the scene. Um, Maki and Boisman's bodies were found inside the tent, but Bjorklund, um, Gustavsson's girlfriend, was found on top of it, naked from the waist down and laying next to him. More than six hours later at 11 a.m., or I guess it's only five hours, about five hours later at 11 a.m., a carpenter named Risto Siren uh, discovered the bodies. Immediately, he uh, alerted the police, and immediately they arrived... An hour later. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I know. Well, it's 1960. They have cars. They have cars and binoculars. What's with these people? Less traffic, too. Yeah. So um, when police arrived, they asked Gustavsson what had happened. And all he could say was that there was a shadowy figure dressed in black with bright red eyes that appeared and viciously attacked the group. 
Mothman. So, yeah. And so a lot of people, there's like a lot of, um, it's like, ur- you know, urban myth or like uh, the kind of like the boogeyman in that area of just like, you better not go out because, you know, that demon with the red eyes who attacked those kids are going to get you. Um, the killer, whoever it was, stole several personal items from the victims, including their wallets and multiple articles of clothing. Gustafsson's shoes were stolen um, as well as some of his clothing, but it was found about a half a mile away or a mile. There was some kilometerage kind of stuff to figure out. Uh, it was about a mile away from the crime scene. Several of the uh, several of the other personal items, along with the murder weapon, were never found, um, including, I think, the other dude's leather jacket. Uh, the police did not cordon off the site um, or record details of the scene. There was even only just a couple of pictures taken of the crime scene. 60s man yeah but what they did it was that they immediately allowed people on <laughs> they just um, audit, they're like yep come on in let's start looking around yep you there you there and they just people i mean the killer could have been among them just like hiding evidence and pocketing it you know and that's it's seen as a major um hiccup in the crime especially since you know it's almost 60 years since it happened and it's never been solved fully um they also allowed a um a bunch of soldiers um to come and trample the scene as well and they just didn't preserve evidence and it was just a mess it was just like people tromping around in boots being like i'm destroying evidence that actually reminds me of a scene from airplane oh yeah that's something that would happen yeah yeah so um, Bjorklund, Gustafsson's girlfriend, um, suffered the most injuries of all the victims. She was stabbed, I think I read somewhere like 15 times, um, many times after her death, while the other two, in eight, two teenagers were slain with less brutality. Um, Gustafsson was also found lying on top of the tent with his dead girlfriend. So I wish I had some more background on um, the murdered teenagers and more of that. But like famously, there just isn't a lot on it. But there's a lot about the suspects. Um, And so I'm going to spend the majority of the time on the suspects and some theories. And um, I'll ask you what you think. Um, So Vladimir Gilstrom uh, is one of the prime suspects. He was known in the local community as the quote unquote kiosk man because he owned a kiosk that operated nearby um campers would go and like you know buy you know either like necessities or snacks from him or whatever but he was also uh known to have hated the campers um that he would cut down their tents and throw rocks at them Hmm. like he just sounded like a dick gracious Um, host yeah some even say they saw him leave the murder scene but then claimed that they were too afraid to actually alert the authorities because they were scared of him gilstrom allegedly made several confessions while he was drunk he was kind of a drunkard um and he displayed knowledge of the crime that no one else necessarily would have known and that was ignored by police Coincidentally, he died in 1969. Um, I think, was he one of the ones, I think it was like to the day of the murder. Um, he drowned in Lake Bottom. Uh. Uh, while drunk, he reportedly confessed the murders uh, to his neighbor. Gilstrom also filled the well in his courtyard a few days after the murder. A lot of people say that the murder weapon has been, uh, was like thrown into the well and that he covered it. 
And I don't believe that the um, investigators ever went back to dig anything up. And that's fairly common because if you don't have good evidence on someone, you're not necessarily going to get a search warrant yeah. to like rip up their mm-hmm. house. I know that's definitely the case with that that podcast, um, that Australian podcast, um, Teacher's Pet. I mean, it wasn't until like decades after the crime that they ended up like ripping up that guy's house. And it was only after he sold it and the new owners allowed investigators to do that. I think in the States, they rip up your house first and then make yeah. the warrant. And then they after. try to figure out what kind of warrant they could put it in. Yeah. No, I think that warrants are fairly uh, celebrated here. Celebrated. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yay. Honored. Um, yes, honored. <laughs> Which is like a celebration. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, After searching his... Oh, so they were able to search his property. Um, They didn't find anything incriminating. There was no articles used in the murder. There was no um, murder weapon. Um, They couldn't find anything. And um, Gilstrom's wife provided an alibi for the night of the murder. However, on her deathbed, she was like, yo, I wasn't telling the truth. I wasn't his alibi. He wasn't home. And then she died. Um, police had other leads to, uh, so yeah, he's probably the most viable suspect of all of them because he, you know, just is just too many weird coincidences. Then there's a guy who, uh, a lot of people say there's only three song, strong suspects, and a lot of places say that there's four. This guy gets mentioned but fairly discounted quickly. His name was uh, Pauli Luoma, um, who was a runaway from a nearby work department. Police caught him soon after the murders and questioned him. I think he potentially admitted to it, but then um, he also told them where he was potentially, and then it was totally verified. He was in a different town at the time of the murders in Otaniemi. Um, the next, next suspect is um, Penti Soinanen. Um, who was convicted of violent crimes in the 60s and confessed to the murders at the age of 14 while he was in prison. He claimed that when he was 15, he lived near the murder site and was questioned by the police, but declared a psychopath whose confession could not hold weight. However, he hanged himself. Oh, this is the guy. He hanged himself in 1969 on the anniversary of the murder. So the other guy drowned in 1969 in the lake Ah. And then this other guy actually killed himself. Both on the, on the anniversaries? Um, well, Penty's Soinanen's, his was actually on the anniversary of the murders. But I don't, I don't actually think it was on the same day like the other dude, the Gilstrom guy, the kiosk man. But was the kiosk guys also on a different anniversary of the same? It was, it was nine years after the murder, but it wasn't to the day. Okay. Yeah. They just, it's that just weird. Extra it's just, creepy. yeah, it's just weird that two of the prime suspects died the same year, even like nine years after the murder, you know, it's just weird. Um, my, my favorite one purely just for his name. Um, and I'll show you some pictures of him because wow, he's just a weird looking dude and he looks exactly like the, the police sketch that, um, uh, the Gustavson provided for police. Um, so his name is Hans Assman, um, which I'm pretty sure is just. Can you say Hans, that one more time? Hans Assman. 
Osman. You're going to show us pictures of the Assman? Yes. Okay. So Hans Osman, uh, I'm going to say Assman. Just say Assman. It is seen as the most suspicious of all of them because he was allegedly a KGB spy uh, who went to Helsinki um, on the 6th of June, the day after the murders. Um, He went to the hospital. And uh, he was very disheveled with his clothes covered in red stains. Assman is also believed to have arrived uh, um, with, people said, bloodstains and dirty fingers. The doctors reported his behavior to be anxious and aggressive. And he apparently tried to lie about his name. Probably because his name is Assman. He's all uh, tits man. Um, Yeah, maybe he was... Also proficient in other dirty deeds, and that's why he—that's where he got his ass man name. Yeah, and he just really had a real hard session <laughs> in blood and dirty fingernails. I, do you know well, what I mean? Yes, yes, yeah, I gotcha. Um, I could show you pictures. Ew! No, we. This is a guy isn't German. <laughs> He also shares an eerie resemblance to the suspect sketch, which I'm going to show you right now. Okay. Uh, no, those are just bizarre, bizarre things. That's that Ragnarok. Happen. Yeah. We're all praying for that. Oh, shoot. Where did it go? Um, well, I got to show you this ass man, man. Fuck yeah. Okay. I'm going to show you uh, the police sketch first. So those are the four sketches that are kind of known um, that Gustavson um kind of you know helped to create uh-huh. okay this is ass man whoa crazy huh doesn't he look exactly like that it's pretty close yeah yeah and so it was reported he looks like an ass man <laughs> um he so it, the long blonde hair was something that the bird watcher kids said that the guy had and then after the this sketch was released on like you know the news or whatever he cut his hair no and so when the police found him to question him he had a haircut like buzzed i guess crazy huh yeah another weird thing is that take a look at that those sketches again Uh they you know um investigators always like at the wake or a funeral or memorial for victims they always go and they you know just check things out to make sure because again you know killers like to insert themselves oh, right. in like the search or yeah. like the funeral or whatever um there's so many cases where people are like being interviewed on television um that are actually the killers uh, of the victims right so this picture was taken so again take a look at that right Especially that one right there. Um, it just looks so weird. This was their funeral. Holy shit. Yeah. Isn't that guy... Doesn't that fucking look like him? And th- that, that, guy, that guy doesn't it even look It kind of looks human. like the alien from Bad bad Taste. Or the alien from um, Men in Black, even. Like the giant guy, kind of. He looks like the lo- gray. It looks like Bernie Sanders. I Barney think it Sanders is. Bernie Sanders is ass man. I mean. Oh, geez. Yeah. Isn't that creepy, though? That's a creepy photo. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, um, I don't think they've ever been able to tie this guy to anybody, but he kind of even looks like that guy right there a little bit, you know? Okay. Ass man lived without, uh, within five kilometers of bottom, only a short distance from the shore. The police did not take ass man's stained clothing, despite doctors claiming that they were certain that the stains were blood. 
why would you not take it? Because I know it's 1960 and DNA is not a thing or whatever, but they still did blood typing and stuff at that point. And so they had the, they had the victim's blood and they had the suspect's blood. I think it's more like blood tasting. <laughs> They're like, mm, these bloods don't taste the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, it sucks because if they had just held on to that for, what, like 35 more years, they could have totally solved it with DNA. Only, if, if only it was 35 blood. more years. Hey. Crazier things have happened. I'm just saying, there is no statute of limitations on murder. So why not keep evidence or get evidence that you can literally keep forever? You know, or at least until all the suspects well, then die. Let's arrest whoever killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> what? Anyways, um, Ass Man has also been linked to other unsolved Finnish homicides, such as the. Kailiki Sari murder and the double murder in Hainavesi. Finally, however, the most intriguing suspect of all, the lone survivor, Gustafsson. Holy shit. Yep. So in 2004, 44 years after the murders, they, forensic scientists from the National Bureau of Investigation Crime Lab, Say that they have like new testing or whatever. Say um from Gustavson's shoes, you know the ones that were found like a, a mile away from the crime scene, um, and they're saying that his blood is the only blood that's not on the shoes, so that he clearly was the perpetrator. But he had wounds. He had wounds like on the front and back of his head and stuff too. So they basically are like, well, the absence of his blood is just straight up. He did it. So they charged him with the murders uh, 44 years later. Isn't that crazy? Um, he had two grown kids at this point and was married. He was a bus driver. He had he had nothing as much as like a parking ticket or something, you know. It's not like he continued on with the life of crime or anything. Um, so anyways, uh, there's a lot of theories about what happened that night. Some people say that the other dude that was there... Uh, him and Gustavson got in a fight because like his girlfriend was paying him too much attention. And like, that's why his jaw is broken is that he was actually beat up by the other dude first. And then in a fit of rage, um, basically knifed everyone in the tent and like, like knifed his way out. And then um, that's why his girlfriend received the most brutal blows um, is because uh, is because like he was mad at her for talking to the other dude. Or people say that she wouldn't give it up that night. And uh, in a fit of rage, he basically, um, I don't know if there's any evidence of sexual assault, but when she was found, she didn't have any bottoms on. So um, there's just a lot of like theories around stuff. But Kuzdovston claims that he doesn't remember anything at all about that night. And so he can't help with figuring out. They've even put him under hypnosis and stuff. And it's just nothing of any value or use has ever been, has ever come out of any of his hypnotherapy sessions. Um, so when they brought charges against him in Espoo, um, they had the trial. And I believe um, while uh, the trial was going, he was like stuck behind bars and um, during 2005, when the trial was happening, um, one of the officers claimed that he said that Gustavson said, what's done is done, predicting I'll probably get 
15 years for the crime, but we'll see. Like he, that's what one of the investigators or police officers claimed um, that he said that candidly right after the crimes. But again, there's like nothing to back this up. And Gustavson in the 44 years since the murders, he's never confessed to anyone. And he's always held the same story that he doesn't remember anything. Uh, so the court ultimately found that there was insufficient evidence to convict him. And so they let him go free. He basically got somewhere in the neighborhood of like $60,000 for the year he spent behind bars and like in the courtroom and all that stuff. Because I'm sure he lost his job and everything. Um, now uh, it has been exactly 59 years, um, almost 60 since um, the the crimes at, I was going to say Crystal Lake, hmm. the, the crimes at Lake Bottom occurred. Um, and there are some questions that remain. One is that if he can't remember anything that happened, then how does he not, how does he know that he didn't do it? <laughs> it's kind of a silly question, but at the same time, like maybe he did fly into a fit of rage, kill everyone and pass out, you know, like he had a lot, he had a concussion and a lot of blunt force trauma to both sides of his head and his jaw. I mean, he was punched hard enough in yeah. the face that his jaw was broken. So um, it's he, happened before. Yeah. And like there's no evidence to necessarily suggest he did or didn't do it. You know, he's the only one that survived. Um, another question is, uh, why were Gustavson's shoes a mile away from the campsite? Um, some people say that uh, the killer actually put his shoes on, uh, murdered everyone ran away and then like took him off like a mile away, um, which kind of just doesn't really make any sense because they said that the only footprints and again, like the crime scene was totally messed up, but some of the only footprints that were discernible were from his shoes. Um, so that's just really weird too. Hmm. Um, and then one more question is um, who was the blonde man that the boys saw walking away from the campsite um, at 6 a.m.? You know, it's ass man. Well, yeah, I mean, that is an ex explanation, but w no one was ever able to pin the crimes on him. I mean, I like ass man. Well, see, when people say I like him for the crime, it's like I don't like ass man. I just like him for the crime. I just like saying ass man. Yeah, I think I do, too. <laughs> um, So, yeah, that's the crime. Um, the most famous unsolved crime in Finnish history. Um, there's a couple others that we just didn't have the same kind of mystery to them um, that I was trying to read up on to see if there was anything significant. Um, I did. It was funny. I was trying to find websites that had something else to do other than that shitty band, The Children of Bodom or Bottom, or um, anything to do with the murders because I was actually just trying to find out about the lake itself, you know? And it was just funny, the Yelp and, like, uh, Google reviews I found that were, like, I love Children of Bottom or whatever. <laughs> or, like, um, somebody was complaining that, like, there wasn't enough, like, there wasn't, like, a jacuzzi there. And so it was just funny. It's just the reviews were very strange. They Almost none of them had anything to do with the actual, like, campsite there. So you can, uh, it's very popular, but you can. Good place to get stabbed. Yeah, you can um, visit. Uh, five out of five stars. For getting stabbed. Yeah. Um, 
So you can actually, uh, if you would like, and I know some people get a thrill out of that, those quote unquote dark tourists, but um, you can spend the night uh, in the very place that the the children of Bodom were slain. I'm um, not talking about the band there. I'm talking about the actual people. Um, mm. Man, children of Bodom. We listened to them for the first <sighs> night time the other night because I actually didn't even know what they sounded like. They're terrible. We just lost... Hopefully not, no listeners by saying that. Not our cup of tea. Poo. Tea? Ass. Man. Ass man. Ass man. Gives it. Probably likes <laughs> Three soggy asses. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so apparently that is the uh, unsolved murders that inspired the writers of Friday the 13th. Hmm. Yeah. So... Um, you can join our Facebook group, um, True Crime Dumpster Podcast. Um, we'll be, we, we do use Facebook the most, but we're going to get better with our Instagram and Twitter. And what else do we have? Mm-hmm. Anything else? That might be it. Instagram and Twitter. We're not doing a Snapchat. We're not 17. So, um, oh, yeah, today I was talking about Facebook and they're like, ew, you have a Facebook? And it's like. Yeah, I'm old. Apparently, Facebook is just for old people at this point. Um, but we will um, put some pictures up to kind of supplement um, this episode so you can see what we're talking about, yeah. especially those creepy Check pictures. out some ass man. Yeah, you got to check out some ass man. Um, but don't just Google that because you might get arrested. I'm an ass man. So, yeah, um, you can also email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com if there is uh, a Send us a picture of your favorite ass. No, don't send us any pictures. Um, (laughs) If you have any uh, suggestions for episodes, but honestly, at this point, I think I have 50, I have the next 56 episodes. We're good for two years. Yeah. Uh, Next week, uh, we'll get better with being a little more uh, regular with getting these out now that Kevin's back in town for at least, like, what, maybe a month? About a month. Okay. Uh, So maybe our next grip will be out uh, in a more sequential, chronological order. Well, I guess there's sequential and chronological. A more regular fashion. The 20th of whatever month it is. (laughs) Yes, it's December, Kevin. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, five days um, before we have, Christmas. We have some uh, Christmas crimes to that we are already starting to research to come back at you for the holidays. They're warm and cuddly stories that you can tell with your uh, you can tell your hose, children hose, by the well, you can tell your children by the fireplace um, and you know put out cookies for Santa. Assman spice the nog. <laughs> So thanks for listening. Um, we hope you have a terrible day. Well, that was... I hope you have a pretty good day. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. See ya. <laughs>